So those of you who have not seen me before, my name is Deacon Andrew Thornton. Um, I'm uh, a seminarian, uh, God willing, soon to be ordained to the priesthood. I've got only a semester left. That's if I pass all of my classes. So, um, Among theological uh, interest, I also have uh, many other valuable talents that I think are applicable today. To name a few of them. Number one, speed at doing word searches. I'll go head-to-head with anybody. Number two, ability to down cup after cup of water while the server isn't looking at a restaurant. I can do that very quickly. Number three, the ability to detect the smell of mint from a distance comparable to a bloodhound. Anybody that knows me, I'm sure that's true. But among those, my first real job was on the line at Qdoba Mexican Grill. So not only can I roll a burrito, that is child's play. I could roll a bowl of soup in a 14-inch tortilla if I put my mind to it. You may think that in my line of work now as a seminarian, God willing, a priest someday too, this is a useless skill, but after reflection, you would be mistaken. Rolling burritos, believe it or not, have prepared me for the life of the priesthood. I have a goddaughter who is about four now, and when she was in infancy, she would not hold still. She would, multiple times a day, grow so tired and so grumpy to the point that she would flail her arms and cry to the point that she wouldn't allow herself to drift off to sleep. And the continuous cycle would continue. The more exhausted she got, the more her limbs would writhe in frustration. Her parents had grown accustomed to loud screaming to the point that it had practically become to them white noise. One day while visiting, a strange noise suddenly had overtaken the, the, the living room and abruptly It was silence. Using a blanket, I had put my unique talents to good use. I had rolled a baby into a neat and tight burrito. As much as I would like to claim this solution as my own invention, the experts say, no, that's been a thing for a long time, Deacon Andrew. It's called a swaddle. Babies, it turns out, like the feeling of being constricted. It's not until we're older that we develop a desire to be free. And at this point, I realized what Jesus entering the world in swaddling clothes really meant. Swaddling signals safety to a child, but it can also be a source of claustrophobia, of constriction. The prologue of John, the gospel that we read today, may appear cryptic, but I believe it to be a parallel concept. Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, arrived today in a fashion that shows empathy, care, concern, love to all of us. In circumstances that are certainly not the best, swaddling clothes in the gospel signaled that the child would have an abundance of care around him. However, in an abundance of safety, even if our attentions are good, 
these things can become constricting. So Jesus Christ arrives today to save the world in an identical manner. Bound tightly to his purpose, he is set out to change our plight. By being chained, he gives us security. A close connection of constriction and peace are at the center of his message. I may flail my arms in frustration. I ask these questions, what can my pitiful mission achieve? I seem like a tiny little drop of water in a white hot furnace. What is the point of my efforts, my dedication, my sacrifice, my pleading to God for a world that is resolved to perish and die? You will find him in swaddling clothes. From the point he took on flesh, Jesus had us in mind. He put his abilities to good use. Today is born a child, him who, a son of God and son of the Father, has traveled the path that leads away from the Father and into darkness of the world. Behind him is omnipotence and the power to do anything, complete freedom. Before him, powerlessness, bonds, and obedience. Behind him, the comprehensive divine wisdom. Before him, the prospect of the seemingly meaningless death on a cross between two criminals. Behind him, the bliss of life with the Father. Before him, grievous solidarity with all who do not know the Father, do not want to know him, and deny his existence. Today we rejoice, for God himself has passed this way. The Son took him, took with him the awareness of doing the Father's will. He took with him the unceasing prayer that the Father's will would be done on the dark earth as in the brightness of heaven. He took with him his rejoicing that the Father had hidden these things from the wise and revealed them to babes, to the simple, and to the poor. From a worldly point of view, everything may seem very dark. Your dedication to the church may seem unproductive and a failure, but do not be afraid. You may be on a path identical to God's. Jesus tells us, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is walking on ahead of you, especially today, and blazing the trail of Christian love for you. It leads to your most inaccessible brother, the person most forsaken by God. But is, it is the path of divine love itself. You are on the right path. All who deny themselves in order to carry out love's commission are on the right path. And this is the important thing. Miracles happen along this type of path. Apparently insignificant miracles noticed by hardly anyone. The very finding of a child wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger 
Is this not a miracle in itself? Then there is the miracle when a particular mission, maybe your own mission, hidden in, your pers- in a person's heart, really reaches its goal, bringing God's peace and joy where there is nothing but despair and resignation. When someone succeeds in striking a tiny light in the midst of an overpowering darkness, then, and only then, joy irradiates a heart that no longer dared to believe in it. Now and again, we ourselves are assured that the angel's word we are trying to obey will bring us to the place where God's word, Jesus, and his son is already made man. We are assured that in spite of all the noise and nonsense today, December 25th, is Christmas just as truly as two millennia ago. Once and for all, God has started out on his journey toward us and nothing till the world's end will stop him from coming to us and abiding in us. In conclusion, I would like to read you a letter written about one of my heroes um, and, and truly is an inspiration to what lengths a, a Christ-formed mission and his church will go to to give all people, you and me, life, hope, peace, joy, and love. Among other things, uh, Father Capadano and I have the same birthday, and it's, he's a real source of inspiration. He was a, he was a salt, salt of the earth kind of fellow that simply cared for his people. And he would go into the trenches quite literally to convey his message. He's a military chaplain, and no matter our state in life, I think that he can provide us an example of what is tangibly happening today. The hopes and fears of all the years are dissolved. Life is given its meaning back. If one can just willingly accept a little constriction, a cross... This was written to a sister, George Marie, a school sister of Notre Dame residing in Mount Calvary, Wisconsin. And the letter was written by a medical doctor serving in the Marine Corps. He writes, Dear sister, we had a chaplain, a marine old priest named Capadano, who had been over here for 16 months. Usually tour of duty in Vietnam is 12 months, but the good padre had it extended on a condition that he would be allowed to continue with the grunts. That's the term applied to marine infantry men. He appeared, in spite of his quite unpretentious manner, to be a veritable thorn in the division chaplain's bald head. The division chaplain wanted Father C. to live at headquarters from where he could spoke out to all the battalions in the division, but Father C. would have none of that. His mission was to the grunts fighting in the front lines, whom he really felt needed a chaplain. His audience was always a small group of 20 to 40 Marines gathered together on a hill or behind some rocks hearing confessions, saying mass, and it was almost as though he had decided to leave the other 99 in a safe area and go after the one who had gotten in trouble. Over here, there's a written policy that if you get three purple hearts, you can go home within 48 hours. And on Labor Day, our battalion ran into a world of trouble. So Father C 
arrived, it was 500 Marines against 2,500 North Vietnamese. We were constantly on the verge of being overrun, and the Marines on several occasions had to advance in a retrograde movement. They were retreating. This left the dead and wounded outside on the perimeter as they slowly withdrew, and early on the day, he was shot in the right hand. One corpsman patched him up and tried to evacuate him to the rear, but Father C declined, saying he had work to do. A few hours later, a mortar shell landed near him and left his right arm hanging in shreds. Once again, he was patched up, and again, he refused evacuation. There he was, moving slowly from wounded to dead to wounded, using his left arm to support his right as he gave absolution. When he suddenly spied a corpsman get knocked down by a burst from an automatic weapon. The man was shot in the leg and couldn't move, and Father C ran out to him and positioned himself between the injured boy and the weapon. The weapon opened up again, and this time riddled Father C completely. And with his third purple heart of that day, Father went home. And that, sisters, is my Christmas message to you, the one conveyed to me by Father Capadano, the message of love. On behalf of all the priests here in Muncie and myself, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas.